the world kind of jumps on them at one time on social media, and then a week later they come out with an apology statement. You guys watch that in, in recent times in, in, in just kind of the pop culture in which we live? And I want you to understand um, that Jesus Christ never apologized for speaking the truth. <coughs> Amen? Amen. And, and I believe that, that if you're you know, in a Bible-believing church, uh, what you want to have is you want to have a pastor that speaks the truth and does not apologize for it. Uh, look at John chapter 6, and look if you would at verse number... Uh, I'm not going to read all the verses in the passage. It's a big chapter, but basically what happens is uh, the Lord in verse number uh, 54 and 55 says something that is so contrary to their mind. It is, let me use the word, offensive, all right? And, and, and so you live in a day and age where there's almost virtue that is found in being professionally and perpetually offended with what everyone says and does. And uh, people come that way to church sometimes, and I'm, I want to tell you right now, my heart is not to offend anybody. I do not wake up in the morning and go, how can I offend you this morning? All right, that is, that is not what goes on in my heart my mind. At the same time, I want you to understand that, that when you come to church specifically, you ought to come with an open heart and an open mind and say, God, what truth can I glean from your word? Uh, l- let me show you what happens because the Lord uses language in this passage that frankly is a little bit uh, colorful, a little bit outlandish based on who's listening in the audience. And he tells him, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, he's not talking about physically. He's not a vampire. He's not Dracula. He's not none of that weird stuff. All right. But he's talking about spiritually speaking. How do I know that? Look at verse number uh, 60, the spirit uh, giveth light, uh, verse 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. In other words, He wasn't talking about physically eating his body and physically drinking his blood. So let me ask you a question. Why does he not make it clear up front? Unless he's trying to weed out who's there for truth. Now look at the response from the people when they heard what he said. Look at verse number 60 60, right here. Yep. Many therefore of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a what? Some sayings you're going to hear are hard. And can I be honest with you? I will not apologize for those sayings because I know what you're listening and watching the rest of the week. Anything I could say from the pulpit is not going to come close to what you hear the rest of the week. And I'm also going to say this. There are some things that you need to hear that are hard. And they are hard for me when I read them, and they're hard for me when I study them. And I look at it sometimes and go, Lord, is this really what you want me to say? And you know what my job is to say, Lord, if that's what you want me to say, then I'll say it. Notice what it says in verse number 61. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, not, not, the, not the rest of the group, not the rest of the people, not society, his disciples murmured at it. The very people that were called to follow. Listen, and, and I'll be very clear with you, I'm not Jesus Christ. I will say things that are not right sometimes. But and if you can find fault with what he's saying, that makes me feel better about how people get offended with what I say. Because here is a sinless man who never said the wrong thing, and they still got offended. Look at verse number 61. He says this to them, Doth this what? And, you you know, sometimes, uh, listen, it's good to remember the old psalm. Go back to Psalm 119. You go, Preacher, what is this? Well, you know how, like in football, when the score is matched, you know, and you go into overtime? This is like overtime, but in reverse, okay? So I'm giving you extra that's not part of the message. has nothing to do with the message at all. Uh, But look at Psalm 119, Psalm 119, and look at verse number 165. 
if you are, and I mean this as graciously as I can, especially for you men, there, there's something wrong with a grown man that goes, that just offends me. <laughs> it's like, grow a backbone and quit whining, man. And that's for you guys. I'll be a little more gentle with the ladies because we, we, don't, we don't treat you ladies the same way. I understand that. But, but gentlemen, you live in a day and age where even, even men are almost seem to, they seem virtuous for being offended. Like, you're not virtuous for being offended. You might just have no spine. Amen. You might need to be told some hard things. Maybe you didn't hear this when you were younger and you need it now. All right, but, but look at Psalm 119, look at one, uh, 165. Great peace have they which love thy law. And look at what offends them. If you're always offended, you know what the problem is? The problem isn't with who's offending you, it's you. Because if you love this book and you love God's word, you will not be easily offended. You know who was offended with the Lord the most throughout his ministry? The Pharisees. You don't want to line up with those guys at the judgment seat of Christ. So what I'm saying is this. You go, well, how is this an introduction to the introduction to your message? What I'm trying to say is this, is that sometimes, all right, sometimes there are things that are said not to hurt, but to challenge your thinking, to make you go, you know what? Maybe I should see this differently. Maybe I can go a little bit further. And rather than getting offended, I'm going to take inventory right here. And I can tell you, I have sat where you've sat, and I've heard things from preachers. I go, I don't know about that. And then I go home and I pray about it. And then I go, you know what? Maybe he had a point. I still think he's a jerk, but maybe he had a point. <laughs> All right? L- look at Second Chronicles 29. Let's get into our... You guys want to get in the message now? Yeah. You guys, like, ready to move on from that? Who's ready to move on from that? All right. Second Chronicles 29. Stand with me, if you would. Second Chronicles 29. Second Chronicles 29. I, I want to be in a church with people that love God's book. And I believe that I am, and I'm thankful for that. Second Chronicles chapter 29, I'll be honest with you guys. Uh, there are some of you here that have come up to me after preaching a long message. You go, man, that was all you had? I'm like, man, do we? Some people are like looking at the clock 30 minutes ago. We had to go. And there, there are, there, the majority of you, though, you come week after week after week, and you listen, and you listen, and you apply, and you grow. You know what I say to that? Thank God for you. I mean that. I thank the Lord for you. Look at Second Chronicles 29, and uh, let's, let's start in verse number 1. Hezekiah began to reign when he was 5 and 20 years old. And he reigned 9 and 20 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father had done. He, in the first year of his reign, in the first month. In other words, he did not waste any time with what we're about to read. In the first year of his reign, in the first month of his reign, opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. And he brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them together into the east street. And he said to them, Hear me, ye Levites, sanctify now yourselves and sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. For our fathers have trespassed and done that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord our God. And they have forsaken him and turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord and turned their backs." Also, they have shut up the doors of the porch and put out the lamps and have not burned incense nor offered burnt offerings in the holy place unto the God of Israel. Wherefore, the wrath of the Lord was upon Judah and Jerusalem, and he hath delivered them to trouble, to astonishment, and to hissing, as you see with our eyes. For lo, our fathers have fallen by the sword, and our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity for this. Now it is in mine heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel, that his fierce wrath may turn away from us. My sons, 
Be not now negligent, for the Lord hath chosen you to stand before him, to serve him, and that you should minister unto him and burn incense. I want to talk to you about leveling up. Uh, I think, I think any, any video gamers in here? Anybody play video games? Anybody? Don't worry, I'm not going to make fun of you or pick on you or anything like that. All right, all right, all right. So you know what it means to level up, right? Uh, anybody here play sports? If you play sports, you know what it means to level up? It means let's, let's go to the next level. I see oftentimes Christians, especially as we're, guys, we're, we're almost done with the month of January. And there were things you said to the Lord. You said, God, I'm going to do this differently. And God, I want to be different. And, and I think there's a desire, but oftentimes the intention falls because of a lack of action. And I want to encourage you to level up this year for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And uh, I'm going to ask uh, Brother Tim Moore if you would ask the Lord's blessing on the word. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. Be seated if you would. I, I uh, got to church this morning and someone looked at me. I can't remember who it was. Oh, no, I know what it was. I ran into Joe at Starbucks. Amen. And I, it was like, you know, I walked, ah, Joe, big hug, you know, and he was like, you look like you've got some rest. I'm like, dude, I got five hours of straight up sleep. Amen. Praise God for that. And it was so good. And man, I tell you what, I, I woke up, man, I brought I bush I'm like, let's go to church, you know, and and so I'm a little excited this morning. If you can't tell, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be with you guys. Thankful for the opportunity we have, with God's help, to make this year different for the Lord Jesus Christ, to do something great for him. And, 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 and I, my mind goes back to the last couple of weeks, we, me and my wife, I've, I've shared this with you already, I think some of you, that we've been kind of binge-watching a little bit, if you want to say binge-watching, you know, you know, while the baby's up at one or two in the morning, whatever, in between those times, you know, watching the, the Biggest Loser. And I'm sorry, I know this show was on for years. I didn't know anything about it. I had no idea. Just, you know, didn't have cable, whatever. And so we watched this. I'm like, well, this is kind of amazing. You've got grown people that go to this place to get yelled at and told, put the food down and keep running. You know, and sweat's dripping off their face and they're falling off the treadmill. They get the paramedic and put the mask on and, and get them to breathe again. And as soon as they can breathe again, okay, are you ready to get back on the treadmill? It's like, oh my goodness. They want to, be, they literally signed up for that. 
They're like, man, show me how to get better. And then when it comes to the Christian life, yeah, I see people at work go, what classes do I need to take? What, 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 what school will you send me to, Job? Uh, tell me, do I need to come in early? Do I need to stay late? And then when it comes to the Christian life, it's kind of like, well, it'll just happen. Not without effort, it won't. Listen, if you're not saved, you're not born again, there's one level up you need, and it's to be saved, all right? You need your sins washed away for God to take your sins and go, you know what? I'll put that in the sea of my forgetfulness. I will put my righteousness on you and your sin on my son, Jesus Christ. I will open up the doors of heaven, and that will be your home. That's the greatest level up you ever got. And if you're not saved yet, you need to get saved today. But if you are saved, can I say this? It will take some effort and some actual intention to get where you want to go as a Christian. You can't just wake up and go, I had someone recently go, I wish God would just take this away from me. God may not take something away because he wasn't the one that put it there. Listen, when my kid leaves something on the ground, it's not on me to pick it up after them when they can walk and they got two hands. You know, I tell my son when they leave their, their, their you know, toy outside, you leave it out there, the dog's going to chew it up, it'll be your loss. I don't go out there and go, let me go pick up behind little Preston. He's nine years old. He can pick stuff up, and he does a great job of it. What I'm getting at is this. It's not my job to pick up what he left there. That's his job. You know what I'm getting at? Listen, we all the time go, I just wish God would take this. I wish God would make me a different person. When you got saved, he made you a different person by putting Christ in you. If you're blocking Christ from being expressed in your life, that's not on him. That means that there needs to be some real intention. You need to look in the mirror and go, what do I want? Here's what I know. You do what you want to do. Years ago, your, uh, your brother's pastor, Pastor Jason Murphy, I heard him say, people do what they, people do what they want to do. That's Jason Murphy, right? People do what they want to do. And you know what I, re- I, I really have kind of believed? The greatest theology lesson I ever got, the greatest doctrinal truth I ever got. Johnny, it's good to see you. You're looking good, bro. Looking really good. Sorry, I don't mean to embarrass you. I just didn't notice you there. It's, it's good to see you, man. But, but And by the way, it's good to see all of you. Everybody, everyone gets a trophy, okay? All right? But, but you all look good. You all look good. All right? But what, 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 I want, what I want you to kind of understand is this. When it comes to the Christian life, you're not going to get out of it by simply going, ah, it'll just happen. No, if, if you want to do something great, you will do it. And if you don't, you won't. If You know why you're here this morning? You wanted to come. You go, well, my mom made me come. All right, with the exception of that, <laughs> you are here because you want to be here. You know why you ate this morning or did not eat this morning? Because you wanted to or didn't want to. You know why you took a shower? I pray to God you took a shower this morning. All right, because you wanted to and because you care about your neighbor. Amen. <laughs> you know why you do the things that you do? You want to. You know why you save money? You feel it's important. It matters to you. Do you, you know why you go the extra hour at work? Because that matter, you want to do that. It matters to you to put food on the table. You do it because your intention is to be a better employee or a better athlete or a better this. And then when it comes to the Christian life, you go, why isn't it just happening for me? It doesn't just happen. Salvation happens when you ask for it. Amen? Amen. But outside of that, you can ask God for all kinds of things. They're not always just going to happen. Some of those things are on you to do. And Hezekiah shows us a great example. I read this. Our intention creates our reality. I don't believe you just manifest things by speaking to the universe or any of that garbage. But I will say this. You eventually become what you want. The Bible says, for if there be first a willing mind. 
It is accepted according that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. I read this. Uh, we either live with intention or exist by default. Some Christians live by default. They're just here, just kind of going through the motions. They come to church every once in a while. They're kind of just there, but not really with intention. There's no real desire. There's no focus. There's no goal. You have goals for your job. You have goals for your weight. You have goals for your family. Some of you planned your family vacations already. Nothing wrong with any of that. Question, what have you planned for God this year? What is your intention for the Lord this year? You know, I want to, you, you, people that begin, I just want to get closer to God. What does that mean? <laughs> I want a better walk with God. Explain that to me. How do you get that if you're a born again child of God? I'll tell you right now, it starts with your mind and with your intention and it's followed through with action. But can I say this? Intention does not always get the job done. I really wanted to. Kind of, kind of not. I'll give you an example. David and the people of God, they want to bring the ark back. You know what David does? They gather all the people. They, they get the priest, man. They're excited. Then they got the music going. Remember that? They got the music going. People are David. They're dancing before the Lord. They played before the Lord. You say, how does that story end? Uh, someone died, and the ark doesn't get to where they want it to get to. Why? Well, they had the right intention, but the method that they were using wasn't the right method. It starts with the willing mind. It starts with a desire, but then you have to execute the right way. I can come before and go, I got this idea. I, I, meet, I meet people all the time that have all the greatest ideas in the world. They don't do anything, but they have a lot of great ideas. You ever met all those people? Like, ah, oh, man, we should do this, and oh, if we did this, and oh, well, what are you doing with it? Ah, oh, nothing. <laughs> you ever met someone like that at work? Maybe you get in a meeting, you know, and so, well, we should, we should, and they're never doing any of it. Listen, listen, there's a way to go about this, and I want you to understand that Hezekiah gives us an amazing example. But let me ask you, why did Jesus Christ offer himself for you? Because he wanted to. Why did Judas betray Jesus Christ? Because he wanted to. It goes back to your intention, your desire, your value system, and then it's followed through with the action. The action expresses your desire. When someone says, I want to serve God, but their actions don't reflect that. That shows me that their real intentions aren't exactly what they say they are. When a young man says, I like your daughter, but I really don't want to talk to you to go to talk to her. I just want to talk to her directly. I know your intentions aren't right. Amen, amen, amen. All right? You say, what am I, what am I getting at? You as a child of God might say, God, I want to follow you. I want to serve you. And you might even say, I really felt like it was real. Okay, fine, but how do you follow through with that? Hezekiah gives us an amazing example, but can I remind you, it was in the first year of the first reign of his month. Do you see that? In the, in the first year, in the first uh, month of his reign, Hezekiah did something that wasn't done yet. Can I, can I also point out, Hezekiah shows us you don't have to be a product of your environment. Do you know what happens before Hezekiah? A bunch of wicked kings reign. You know what they did? They neglected the house of God. They threw a bunch of garbage in there. They threw idols into the temple. They made a mess of the worship of the one true God. Hezekiah, if he wanted to, could have leaned on, I'm just a product of my environment, and they were wicked before me, so I'm just going to keep doing what I've been known to do and what I've been shown to do, and I'm just going to live like, like everything around me. But he desired in his heart to do it differently. You know what he wanted? He wanted to level up from the rest of his generation. 
He said, you know what? Maybe that's where they're at, and I'm not going to judge them for any of that, but I'm going to look at me in the mirror. I'm going to go, Lord, I want to be different. I want to be better than I was before. <laughs> you know why I've raised my kids differently than I was raised? I'm thankful for my parents, thankful for the child raising that I had. I don't grow up with any kind of, you know, I was abused or no, 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 nothing like that. But I will tell you that my parents got saved later in life. There were things we just didn't understand as a family. I'm trying to raise my, trying is the key word, to raise my children differently because I want them to level up in their Christian life. I, I love the fact that on the way to church, all my kids are quoting scripture. I love that my kids can find the books of the Bible at the age of six and seven. And I love, that's a blessing. <laughs> I want them to have a better life than I did. Not just financially, but listen to me, spiritually. Many parents would say, I just want my kids to have a better life than I do. What they mean is, I want them to have a better house and better cars and a better job. And let me tell you something, there's nothing wrong with that unless that's the only thing you care about. James and John, Peter and Andrew, when they became disciples, the Bible says they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Not that week, not when they felt like it, but immediately. Notice in the passage, in the first year and in the first month of his reign, he got busy. He didn't say, when I'm older. He didn't say, when I have more money. He didn't say, when I have more resources. He didn't say, he said, you know what? I can do what I can do right now. I can't do everything, but what I can do, I'm going to do. I'm going to start right now. Amen. Far too often people go, I want a better walk with God. And there's no real way of quantifying. They make no real actual goals. And there's no action that follows it. There's no, I'm going to get up at this time to read my Bible. I'm going to get up at this time to pray. I'm going to make sure that I block out my schedule so I can be at church. I'm going to make sure that my kids understand that God is a priority. I am going to, whenever I am confronted with something that I don't like, I'm going to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. I'm not going to respond out of anger. There are no quantifiable goals. So when life happens... You just dump those goals like they were never there. And at the end of 2023, you're going to say, I wish I had a better walk with God. You know what the Bible says? Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost said today, if you'll hear his voice, Hebrews 3, but exhort one another daily, Hebrews 3, while it is called today, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Matthew 21, where Jesus Christ uh, uh, gives the parable, a certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, son, go to work today in my vineyard. Do we know this? If you're not saved, you know what the Bible says? Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Get saved today. <laughs> And if you're talking to a lost person about getting saved, you go, get saved today. Then when it comes to the Christian life, it's like, I'll do that later. You need to start now. <laughs> you need to level and say, God, I want to be better. I want to level up for you now. Listen, my wife, gentlemen, let me give you some advice, you young guys. You're going to get married someday to a woman, okay? <laughs> and when you do, here's, here's what's going to happen. She's going to say, hon, do you want to change the baby's diaper now? And, and a couple of things you need to understand, right? Number one, the answer is always yes. <laughs> number two, that isn't a question. And number three, she's expecting that you do it now. <laughs> All right, we, we were almost late for church today. We weren't, thank God. But the reason that we were almost late this morning, I remember texting somebody about, uh, hey, Ms. D, good to see you. I remember texting somebody about, so I got pastoral ADD this morning, forgive me. Uh, but I remember texting somebody in the music thread, and I said something along the lines of, if the baby cooperates, well, this morning, 
My, I, from the other side of the house, I'm comb, combing the boys' hair. And by the way, I've trained them well. If I comb their hair and I don't spray them with cologne, they go, Dad, what's going on? <laughs> it's a blessing. I've trained them up in the way they should go. Anyway, I'm combing their hair, and I hear, Honey! I thought something was wrong. I thought someone broke a leg. I thought so. Nope. Just a blowout of a poopy diaper. That was not the moment to go, honey, it's your turn. It's like all hands on deck, man. Listen, when she asks you that question, that's not a question. <laughs> Write it down, like in your Bible right now, okay? <laughs> uh, honey, w- honey, would you like to get me a glass of water? That is not a question. <laughs> all right, that's more like an underhanded command is all that. She's volunteering you. She wants water, all right? Listen, when the Lord comes to you and says, hey, it's time to do this, that means you should start now. That doesn't mean you should start next year or, you know, yeah, this nebulous, uh, I want to find the will of God. You need to start doing the things that God is showing you right now. You need to say, Lord, I want to level up this year. You say, what does level up up mean? To increase or improve something in order to make it the same as other things of its type. In other words, Lord, I see other people living the Christian life the way it should be done, and I'm not some kind of victim of chance. I could do the same thing if I wanted to. So, Lord, I'm going to do that this year, and it's going to be different. Leveling up, number one, means opening up. Look, if you would, at verse number three in our passage, there's some things you need to open up in your, in your life. You know that? Look what happens here. Hezekiah opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and boy, I could preach on the idea that being at church should be central to your life as a Christian. I will tell you right now, Christians today have tried to replace Bible preaching and Bible teaching, which is what God designed to help you in every area of your life. They have replaced that with psychology. And let me tell you something right now. It blows my mind that if your marriage is on the fritz or your child's on the fritz, you'll pay thousands of dollars and you will not miss a session with that counselor. And then God says, show up and get fed the word of God. And you're like, well, it's just really hard right now. Isn't that why you need it? Isn't that why you need the counsel and the advice from the Word of God? Oh, I could preach about that, but there's this. it's not just opening the doors of the house of the Lord. You need to open some things in your heart. It, it, it might be that you're just willing to look into some hard things. Look at some areas of your life that you've neglected spiritually. Open those doors wide open and say, let's see what's actually going on in here. You can't fix what's going on in there until the doors are opened up. Leveling up means opening up some things in your life. Can I say this? Some of God's people continue to open the doors of their life that have led them back to the wrong memories, the wrong crowd, the wrong habits, and it's because you willfully and intentionally open those doors. And that's on you. And that's not, and that's on, it's on me when I do it. It's not on God. If I open that door and I go, God, take this away from me, and God's going, I shut the door. <laughs> you keep opening it. That's on you. But you know the best way to not open the wrong door? It's real deep. You ready? Open the right ones. You know, here's the door. What's behind door number one? I can tell you this. If it's not the Lord, you don't want to open it. (laughs) Some areas in your life have been closed off for too long. There's a story in the Old Testament about a prophet talking to a king. He comes to the king. He goes, hey, uh, the Lord wants to defeat your enemies. Do you want that too? Yeah, I want that. All right, I want you to take some arrows. Okay, I got the arrows, and I want you to smite the ground. You know the story I'm talking about? It's in Kings. And it's kind of a weird story, because the prophet doesn't give him a lot of insight. He just tells him, do this. And so the king goes, whack. 
whack, and he's looking at the prophet like, uh, <laughs> like is something supposed to happen? You know, like, like, and he does it three times. And the prophet goes, you messed up. You did it three times. You should have done it five or six. And, and there's a part of me that goes, well, you didn't give him any instruction. But you know what it shows me? It shows me how complacent that king was. It shows me, just like we are in our own hearts, if God doesn't respond right now, if I don't lose five pounds today, then I'm going to quit going to the you, That's not how it works. You don't, you don't wake up one morning and go, okay, I want to lose this much weight or get into this kind of shape. And the next day you're there. It takes effort and time. And here this king is whack, whack, whack. And he looks around like, that was just a waste of my time. I didn't have to do that. That was like this. Why did I waste my time going to church? It didn't work out the way I wanted to. Listen, if you did things a certain way for 40 years of your life, maybe give God a few moments. Be willing to open those doors. How about this? Open up this book. And let it examine you. And when you're mad, say, Lord, am I mad because you're mad? Am, am, I, am I going after things I'm going after because it's, it's what you like? Lord, would you show me me? You know what I've learned? I've learned people say this a lot of times. I've had people say there's mistakes in the Bible, and every time I hand them the Bible, they can't find one. Now, I'm, not, I'm sure there'll be some smart guy that goes, here's one, and it's an apparent contradiction between something that's mentioned about uh, someone begatting someone versus someone who's the father of someone, and that language is distinct and, and different for a reason. They're not the same thing. I won't go into all those apparent contradictions. But you know what's amazing to me? I have found that most people don't open this book because they're afraid of what it's going to do in their life. And I've watched people start to change and people start to go in the right direction. And then someone in their life is kind of tugging at them or something in their life is going, you're going too far. You're going, you went too far in the wrong direction for decades of your life. Right. Try going too far for a year. It will not kill you <laughs> in the right direction. Open up this book. Open up your prayer life. Sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer that calls me from a world of care and bids me buzz, 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 buzz. What's going on on Twitter with Elon Musk? I have to look. I must right now. I mean, this is how we live. And, and, and you go, oh, I, my prayer life, some of your prayer lives are stale and you don't enjoy quality time with God. You do do it because it's what's expected and you do it because, okay, I've read my Bible, now I need to pray and you're missing out on a real, genuine relationship. Open that back up. Amen. Leveling up means opening some things up. Can I say this? It means fixing some things up. Fixing some things up. Look if you would at verse number three in our passage. The Bible says he opened the, house, the doors of the house of the Lord, and what did he do next? He repaired them. Can I just say this? There are some things that need repairing in your life. What I'm about to say, disclaimer for the thin-skinned folks out there, all right? Disclaimer, I'm not saying it's to be offensive. Well, I guess the last statement probably was offensive, so that probably defeats everything <laughs> I'm about to say. But let me just say this right now. Evolution is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of in my life. Yeah. And I will say it till the cows come home, and I don't care what Richard Hawkins or whoever else is out there, I don't care what any of those guys say or whatever they think. They, listen, you know what's crazy about these guys? At the end of the day, they have to have faith in what they believe. They've never seen what they say they, they believe. And I'm coming around from the same point of view, but I've got a little bit more history and reality on my side. 
So here, try this. Evolution works so great. Leave your car outside. Don't turn it on. Don't use it. Don't run it. And watch in 10 years. The tires are flat. The paint is faded. Why didn't it evolve? Because things over time, when they're neglected, don't get better. That's why evolution is such a farce. Because in the world in which we live, if you don't care for something, it is not increasingly getting better and smarter and wiser and greater. Listen, what I'm getting at is this. Your relationship with God, your Christian life may need some repairing right now. There may be some areas in your life that will not improve by simply existing. They're going to take effort on your part. You know, I, I think about Elijah on top of Mount Carmel. You guys remember that story? And, and I mean, you think I'm mean? Elijah's out there. Here are these prophets of Baal. And they're going, Baal, hear us! You know, and I could just hear the music in the background. Does you don't know what we're saying? We're Nirvana. We're 90s grunge music. We're grunge music. We're grunge music. All right. Like, like, I could hear that going on in the background. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a kid of the 90s. That's what happens. Just transported you all back in time to Jinko jeans and that kind of music, all right? I, I could see the, the music, the band playing, and, and, and by the way, not to be offensive, but you know what they do when that music comes on? The clothes come off, too. And, and you know what happens with, yeah, Ethan's like, <laughs> yeah. You know, you know what the prophets of Baal are doing out there? They're cutting themselves. Oh, Baal, hear us. Oh, Baal, hear us. Oh, Baal, hear us. Like a seance, trying to, trying to bring some kind of feeling in. You know what Elijah does? He gets up and goes, maybe your God's on vacation. <laughs> Read it sometime for yourself. I'm not being a smart aleck. Maybe, maybe he's taking a nap. Maybe you should just try a little bit louder. I mean, he just eggs them on. And then when it's Elijah's turn, do you know what he does? First thing he does, listen very carefully, this is important. He doesn't say anything. He walks down to the broken down altar, which represents the altar of your life as a believer, where you give to the Lord what is rightfully his. And he looks at that altar, and it's all broken down, and it's neglected, and it's, it's a mess. And without saying anything, he gets down and he starts rebuilding that altar. And he takes those stones and puts them back in the proper order. Because Elijah understood something that a lot of us Christians today struggle with, which is this. If I'm going to level up for the Lord, there's some things I need to repair in my life first. Starting with how I view my sacrifice to the Lord. I, I don't mean to be hard when I say this, but... A lot of Christians, they feel like they've done God some great service by coming to church. It was not for the Lord. It's for you. Amen. And it's for me. I mean, if I, went, if I left today, I said, boy, did you a favor, didn't I? How was that? Did you like that message? What did you think about that, God? Wasn't that great? The Lord would say, hey, son, that was for you. Whether you come or not won't affect who I am. He's still, you know what's amazing about the Lord? He doesn't have a bad day. And he doesn't change who he is on the circumstances. And you want to know about the Lord? Number one, he's never going to miss a service. But if you do, he's still who he is. There's some things that need to be repaired in our lives. 
I won't have you turn there, but in the book of Nehemiah, 29 times in chapter 3, the word repaired shows up. 29 times. They repaired this wall. They repaired that wall. They say, what are they doing? They were rebuilding those walls so that they could enjoy the temple of God. You know why those walls needed to be up? Those walls would protect them and help them against the enemies that would come to invade and take them away from the worship of their one true God. Just like you have to have some walls in your life, and some of those walls need to be repaired this morning. You've allowed some of those things to fall down in, la- in this last year, and you haven't stopped to do it. You've allowed those things to continue in this new year. You just, listen, I love this. New year, new No, new year, same old you unless you do something different. Exactly. Same new year, new me. Like, no, you're not. You're same, the same duck lips and everything. This is the truth. The, the only thing that comes to us without effort is old age. <laughs> Can I get a witness? <laughs> right, you teenagers don't know what this is about yet. You will. And the bones pop and the hair turns gray. And then like, you know, you look at a donut and boom, there's five pounds. <laughs> Michael Jordan said this. Some of you may, may be like, why would you quote Michael Jordan? In church? You know what blows me about, it blows my mind about Athletes. They, they will do anything for the sake of being better at their sport. And Christians are willing to do very little these days. The game has its ups and downs, but you can never lose focus of your individual goals and you can't let yourself be, at, be beat because of a lack of effort on your part. You know what that means? It means that in one generation, Joash repairs the house of the Lord. And then 10 chapters later, Josiah repairs the house. You know what what that tells me? Nothing stays where it needs to be without constant attention. Listen, you would think I was neglectful of my child, and rightfully so, if I just put the baby in the middle of the room. Well, you know, she's going to grow. She has to figure out life at some point. No, that's not where she's at yet. Do you understand? She needs attention. And then when they start moving, they start talking. They need attention. (laughs) Amen? And, and they need their hair combed. They need help with this and help with that. The, you know, earlier this morning, one of the brothers came out, jumping out, running out. He has all his clothes on. And about 20 minutes later, we're like, where's the other one? <laughs> and we found out the other one was struggling with that top button. It, it, listen, I'm a 41, almost 42-year-old man, and I struggle with the top button. <laughs> Especially when I get a little too much fellowship. You know what I'm saying? A little thicker in the neck. And he's, he's by himself, and he's put, struggling. And I thought to myself, I left him by himself, and he could have used some help. And I thought, man, you see, what is that? It's just a reminder at every stage of life, I've got a 20- and an 18-year-old daughter. And you realize yesterday, me and my wife looked at each other and went, okay, I talked to Ariana this many times. How, you ta- how many times did you talk to her? Like, we've talked to our kids all day. It doesn't matter how they get. You still need to be involved. You say, why? Because without that investment of time, relationships fall apart. If you're not willing to repair some things, listen, you might have to go to some people and say, I'm sorry. You might have to go to the Lord and say, I'm sorry. You might have to go, Lord, Lord, are there some things that haven't been what they ought to be and I'm going to repair them with your help and I'm going to quit sitting around and just waiting for it to happen. You guys, I think everyone's heard the story about the man that's experiencing a flood. He's on the the roof of his house, you know, and the, the, the boat comes by. And the, the police come on the boat. You know the story, Brother James? And the police on the boat go, hey, man, we're going to give you a ride out of here. The floods are coming. It's going to get worse. He's like, well, I'm waiting on the Lord to take care of me. Right? You know? And then the firefighters come by. And they, hey, man, you're going to have to come. We're, we're here to rescue. Well, I'm just waiting on God to help me. 
Then the helicopter comes and drops the ladder. Hey, buddy, we're here to rescue you. The water's right up to the roof. You better come. I'm just waiting on God. The guy dies, drowns, goes to heaven again. God, why didn't you rescue me? I sent you a boat. I sent you the firefighters. I sent you the hell. Why didn't you? Do you understand what I'm, what I'm trying to get at? There's some things that are on you. And when it comes to repairing things that aren't where they ought to be as a believer, that's on you. Leveling up means opening up, means fixing up. And can I say this? It means cleaning up. Oh, look if you would at at 2 Chronicles 29 and verse number 5. The wording here is pretty intense. Carry forth the filthiness. It's like going into a teenager's room, amen? It hasn't been cleaned in a while. Carry forth the filthiness. Don't don't get offended, teenagers, all right? I was once one of you. My boys, I go in their room, it's like, man, it's just like, like boy funk, you know what I mean? And I'm like, I can't wait till they're 15. It's going to be so cool to have that in the house. <laughs> Carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. Can I say this? Some things don't belong in the temple. They need to get moved out. They need to get, and, and can I say this? You, yes, you have the story of Jesus Christ on the earth going in the temple and cleaning it out. But can I say this? Throughout the rest of the Bible's history, God never shows up and just cleans everything out for the people. You know why? Because it's on the people's part to do it. That's why when God did show up as a people, he did it to show us, hey, when things get dirty, clean them up. If you're not careful, you'll spend too much time doing this, and you'll start laughing at things, and things will get in your head, and before you know it, you're jaded. If you're not careful, you'll allow certain kind of relationships in your life. You won't think anything about it. You'll think, well, it's innocent. They say they're Christian, and I'm a Christian, so it's no big deal. And before you know it, boy, your mind's defiled, your heart's defiled, and you're jaded. If you're not careful, you will allow things in here and in here that will defile you. And even when you go down to pray, it's jumping out, and it's just defiling your mind. You know why? Because you allow things in there that God says are, listen, you are to be mine. Once you're saved, you're God's, and you are his property, and you are holy ground wherever you go. And when things come in here that defile, God is the one that says, hey, I will help you with this, but you have to be willing to acknowledge we've got a mess in our hands. There's some filthiness in the holy place. Maybe there's some bitterness. Maybe there's some unforgiveness. Maybe there's some pride and self-righteousness. I don't know. But there's some filthiness in there. Maybe there's some unbridled lust. Maybe there's some envy. How come I don't have what they have? You know? I've always thought this this is a funny thing about Christians. Someone drives to church in a new vehicle. Huh? must be nice you see that a a fellow church member went on vacation with their family huh wish we could go on vacation you say you say what is that envy and we laugh about it but it'll make you bitter towards people you'll look at a relationship someone has and go how come i don't have that you'll it'll destroy you you know what i'm saying there's filthiness in there that some we can't see Man, yesterday, and I forgot to tell you, Caleb, there's another slide in there that probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense. If you want to show that one at this time, that'd be great. I told the boys, if they don't create a good work ethic, this is going to be them for the rest of their lives. <laughs> Get used to being behind bars. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, we were in there yesterday cleaning out the stalls, and my wife goes, she goes, How, uh, is the barn clean? I said, yeah, it's clean. I went out there, and I was like, started moving stuff around and turned the lights on. And on the surface, Isabella's not here, so I shouldn't pick on her, but here we go. 
when you throw shavings on top of defiled matter already, it doesn't take the defiled matter away. You just threw something clean on top of the defiled matter, and it still stinks. Oh, it may smell good for a moment. You can, you can have, oh, I've got my Bible, you know, I'm okay, things are good, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm fine. I'm better than I've ever been. Yeah, but there's stuff there. You ever been around someone that, and I'm not trying to be funny, that has like non-perfumey odor and they don't know it? And you're trying to, you know, like, how do I address, how do I, it's really hard. Can I say this spiritually? You can put the right things on top. But if there's defiled matter underneath, it still smells. I got in the barn. I'm starting to move stuff around. And, and I mean, it's like that high. I'm sorry. If you have a weak stomach, I apologize in advance. That high ammonia smell from the horses. You walk in a barn when there's horses, and you know that there's horses. And the boys are on the other side of the bars. Amen. They're, they're, they're cleaning the goat stall. And, and it was like, you know, we went in there thinking it was going to be like, yeah, no big deal. And we went in there was like, man, this is nasty. And when we came back in the house, boy, I needed a shower right away. Can I, can I say this? I wasn't even rolling around in it. But being around it made me smell. If I had gone to the barn and done everything I did yesterday, didn't take a shower yesterday, came to church today, I could put on a lot of cologne, but let me tell you something. It would have been a funky, non-holy odor. If you're not careful as a Christian, you'll learn to just mask things up, cover them, instead of cleaning them out. Parents, you ever ask your kid if the place is clean? And they go, oh, yeah, 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 I cleaned it up. And you say these words, I'm going to go check. Oh, oh, let me go check again. <laughs> you know why you need to come to church? Because the Lord, Lord kind of goes, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna just going to check. And you go, okay, Lord, let me... Let me just before you go in that room, let me, let me clean it up a little bit. Can I say this? The Lord wants to be able to work in every area of your life. But if you're closing the door because you've got junk in there that you don't want him to see, you're the one that's going to block him from working in your life. Look, if you would, at verse number 16, can I point out that the Bible says in verse 16 that they brought out all the uncleanness, not just the stuff people could see? Can I point out in verse number 17 that, that the Bible says they began on the first day of the first month and on the eighth day of the month came to the porch of the Lord. In other words, it took them a week just to get from one side of the temple to the other. So they sanctified the house of the Lord in eight days and in the 16th day of the first month, they made an end. It took them 15 days. That's Listen, I, I, I've taken a long time to clean a house, right? But 16 days to clean something out, you know what that tells me? It was bad. But can I say this? As long as that may seem, those 15 days were absolutely worth it to know that God was going to show up. Amen. Can I point out something in verse number 19? The Bible says, Moreover, all the vessels which King Ahaz in his reign did cast away in his transgression have we prepared and sanctified. Do you know why those vessels were cast away? Because sometimes people don't value what God values. And when you're going through your life and going, Lord, I need to clean this up, someone else may go, oh, it's no big deal. No, if it's a big deal to God, it's a big deal. 
The Bible says, over in the book of John, we were just there in Sunday school, that after the miracles which Jesus did after he cleansed the temple, many believed on him. You want to have an impact for Jesus Christ? You need to clean some things up from the inside out. He didn't do any miracles until the temple was clean in John 2 and in Matthew 21. You want God to work in your life? You look inside and go, you know what? I like some dark things, and it's dirty in there. Lord, there's some things that my parents don't know about. There's some things my husband doesn't know. There's some things my wife doesn't know about. But God, you know. There's some things my pastors know. And by the way, I don't even know everything. I'm not your priest. You have a high priest. His name is Jesus Christ. But I can tell you this, it doesn't matter what I know or don't know or what I think or what I don't think. What matters is what God knows about each and every single one of us as his children. And there's some things that need to be cleaned up. You know what God does in creation? He looks at the darkness and the earth being without form and void. And he says, let me, let me create light and then let me separate the light from the darkness. You know what he's doing? He's kind of cleaning things up to get everything ready for the big act. You know what God wants to do in your life? Same thing. That's why the Bible says, what communion hath light with darkness? There's times when Olivia, that little bundle of blessing, is crying and we're like, she's eaten, she's been burped. Like, what is the deal? You know? And my wife is always very quick to remind me, have you checked her diaper? going to be a weird statement some of you need to allow the lord to ask you to check your diaper <laughs> it's the unseen stuff that can make a real mess of every everything around you leveling up means cleaning up can i say this it means lighting things up as well look at second chronicles 29 look if you would at verse 7 you say what happens here we're reminded that the last generation had put out the lamps. Now, if you, may don't, if you don't know your Old Testament, God said that those lights were to be a perpetual light. The word perpetual means never ceasing. You know what that means? Those lights are to always be shining. Look if, with me, if you would, at Exodus chapter 27. Exodus chapter 27. Let me show you something here real quickly. Exodus 27. We'll come back to the text in a moment. Exodus 27. means opening up, means fixing up, means cleaning up, means lighting some things up. Look at Exodus 27. Can I say this? You know why the world is so dark right now? Because Christians have allowed it to get dark. Let me say, uh, nature abhors a vacuum. If you're not going to speak up about what you believe in and what, you, what God is doing in your life because you don't feel God is doing something in your life and you're not genuinely excited about what God's doing in your life, then you know what? Your light will not shine. The source of energy, that's the big uh, conversation these days, the, the energy grid and Europe going through the energy crisis and where our energy bills are going through the roof as well. The infrastructure, listen, the infrastructure for the power source for your life is literally inside of you. <laughs> And it is never ending, and it is never ceasing, and it will never die within you. Thank God for that. That's the Spirit of God born in you when you got saved. The power's there. You're the one that's blocking it from coming out. You're the one that turns the light off. There's nothing like me and my wife being in the same room, and she forgets I'm in there, and she walks out and turns the lights off, and I stumble through the darkness. You know why? Because in her mind, it's like, hey, I'm moving on, lights off. Let me tell you something. There are other people in the room 
in your life. And you need to keep the lights on. Look at Exodus chapter 27. Look, if you would, at verse number 20. Now shall command the children of Israel, they bring thee pure oil olive, a picture of the Holy Spirit, beaten for the light to cause the lamp to burn how long? This was God's instruction for the light that was in the tabernacle of the congregation. Look at verse 21. In the tabernacle of the congregation without the veil, which is before the testimony, Aaron and his son shall order it from evening to morning before the Lord. It shall be a statute for how long? Forever unto their generations on the behalf of the children of Israel. Evening and morning, evening and morning, perpetual forever. You know what that tells me? You are to keep the lights on in your life. And when something comes in there to blow that light out, you better recognize and go, Lord, my light's out. I'm not being a witness for Jesus Christ. I'm not telling anybody about you. I'm not passing out a track. I'm not trying to take advantage of the opportunity. I could care less about anybody going to hell around me. I'm just living my life. You know what the problem is? The lights are out. And you're jaded. And you say, I'll get them next time. 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 And your light's out. You know what the real problem is? It's not the power source. It's you being connected to the power source. You know what happens over in Samuel? The Lord shows up and talks to Samuel, and he bypasses the old man, Eli. And in that passage, it says, before the lamp of God went out. In other words, you know what they were doing? To cut corners. They were turning the lamps off at night. Well, we don't need them at night, so it doesn't matter. But didn't God say he wants it on all the time? Yeah, but that was a long time ago. And we're advanced now. We know better, and it's just a waste of energy, and so we're just going to turn it off. Can I say there's never been a time when we need to be brighter than right now? The kids sing the song, This Little Light of Mine. Hide it under a bushel. No. I'm going to let it shine. Right? This little light. Remember that in, in junior church? I'm going to let it shine. That I w- sometimes I feel like we should do those songs for the adults. Because, you know, the rest of your week, where's the light at? Can anyone see what team you're on? Do they see a difference? Is the Are you, I don't try this. Out. Look in the mirror and try this. Watch, ready? Just practice that and go, God, you've been good to me. And this world is cynical and jaded and dark, and they need to see some light in their life. Lord, would you allow me to be that light out there? Ye are the light of the world. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candle so it can give light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before who? Men. You know what's amazing? Some of God's people, you'll talk business. You start talking about politics. You know about that thing with the, the David DePape and Paul Pelosi? That video was so weird. Do you see that, man? Yeah. You know what really is going on there, don't you? Who? what? I don't know. Let's go here. Uh, do you know what's going on? The global elite are getting together at the WEF, and they're doing, oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And you know what the Democrats are playing? Oh, yeah, let's talk about oh, talk, get politics. Talk all day long. Talk about Jesus Christ. Well, I went to church, you know, I mean, just, you know, Bible, church, good, by God. And then you wonder why people aren't excited. They, they don't want to listen to you because you don't seem like it matters to you that much. Let your light so shine before men. Don't allow social issues and current events to become the most important thing in your life. <laughs> it's a true story about a lumberjack I read. 
old-fashioned lumberjack, used an axe his whole life, and they told him, hey, here's a chainsaw, try this. You can cut 100 trees in the same amount of time it took you to cut, you know, however many trees. The guy goes, okay, I'll try it. So he cuts, he starts cutting, and day one, he's frustrated, he's cut 25 trees. Day two, he's frustrated. I mean, this guy's a behemoth of a man, 44 trees. Day three, he gets almost, I think it's 48, and he finally goes back to the hardware store. He goes, hey, man, you said I could cut 100 trees with this thing. And the guy goes, yeah. He goes, well, he said, there's something wrong with it. He goes, let me see it. He goes, well, what's that sound? Can I say this? Some of you, <laughs> you try real hard, but you're doing it all in your own power. You don't rely on the Holy Spirit of God, and it's kind of fake, and you feel it. And that's why you don't last with it. You need to learn to say, Lord, I want this to be genuine from the inside out. Lord, would you, would you make my light to shine? Let me close with this thought. Leveling up means stepping up. Look, if you would, at 2 Chronicles 29. Can, you know what leveling up means? It means I'm not going to wait for someone else to do it. I'm not, it's not someone else's responsibility. On the way to church, I was talking with my boys about the fact that I said, I said, look, I call you gentlemen because I want you to be gentlemen. I call you young men because I think that's what you're training to be as a man. And I want you to understand there's this big word responsibility. I said, boys, you know what that word means? They give me their definition of it. And we're talking about that. I wasn't getting on them. I wasn't mad at them. We're just talking about this because I want them to understand. Look, I, I told them, I said, do you think dad wants to get up at two in the morning to change a diaper? Absolutely not. I, I asked them the question. They're like, no. I said, it's not a question. The, the answer is no. I don't want to do that. But you know why I do it? It's, my, it's a responsibility. You have a sense of obligation as you grow and mature as a child of God as well. And you've got to quit saying someone else is going to do it. It's on you to do it. It's on you to try. It's on you to put the effort in. Look at 2 Chronicles 29. Look if you look at verse 11. Thine, O Lord, is... Uh, uh, that's 1 Chronicles. That's a great chapter, but that is not it. Uh, look if you look at 2 Chronicles 29, verse number 11. And notice what's said here. In regards to what God says these people are, are called to do. This is their calling. This is who they are. Verse 11. My sons, be not now what? For the Lord hath chosen who? You. God chose you. Well, you don't know, preacher. I'm a mess. Yeah, I'm a mess too. But God chose you. He wants to use you. God has chosen you. You go, well, I'm not even a member of this church. You can be. You can get plugged in. Well, I, I've, I've had this, I've been a mess my whole life. That's fine, but let's start cleaning some things out and watch what God does in your life. But notice what it says here in verse, be not now negligent, for the Lord has chosen you to stand, serve, and minister. You know what that tells me? God's not going to make you do it, but he's giving you an opportunity right now. You're chosen. He wants you to stand for him. He wants you to serve. And you know what? It's time to start with the excuses. How you were raised does not dictate how you live the rest of your life. Time to start with the excuses. Why do you go to Bible school? Okay, countless Christians throughout church history that impacted the, the entire world never went to Bible school. So that's not, that's not an excuse. Well, I, I don't know, you know, it, it's harder for me. You don't know what I've been through. Look, I don't know, but you don't know what I've been through. We're all the same. We all have our issues. But it's time to say, you know what? No more excuses. I, I read this recently. I think it's profound. Excuses are merely challenges that you give power over your life. You know, Peter says, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, that you know them and be established in the present truth. I want you to see kind of how the story ends because of some of the actions of Hezekiah. Look, if you would, at 
chapter number 30. Chapter 30. And look at verse number 27. How awesome is this? You know what leveling up means? Leveling up means I get through the Lord. We have a relationship again. Look at verse number 27. Their prayer, look at the end of this, this verse, their prayer came up to his holy dwelling place even unto heaven. Look at verse number 20 in this chapter. Thus did Hezekiah throughout all Judah, I'm sorry, chapter 31, excuse me, 31, verse 21. Thus did Hezekiah throughout all Judah and wrought that which was good and right and truth before the Lord his God and in every work that he began in the service of the house of God and in the law and in the commandments to seek his God, he did it with half his heart, Quit halfway living the Christian life. Jump in. Jump in. You know why? Because you're the one that's missing out. And when you get to the end of this year and you go, man, I wish, you could actually look back and go, man, God has been good. What a great year it's been. I'm encouraging you to level up. You know what I'm telling you? You can go further. You can be what God wants you to be. Let's all stand. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, Lord, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. and Lord, we become complacent. Lord, we become spiritually lazy. Lord, we allow things in our temple that shouldn't be there, Lord. There's maybe some repair that needs to happen. Lord, there's some opening up that needs to happen, some vulnerability with you that needs to take place. God, I pray that's that's what would be represented at this altar. God, I help us not to just just be stuck and be complacent and just be satisfied with the status quo. Help us to desire more. We desire more for money. We desire more for our jobs. We desire more for our families. Lord, would you help us just to at least open, Lord, that would be my prayer. Lord, if I couldn't do anything else today, that I'd at least have planted a seed in someone's life to realize there's so much more that you desire for them. Lord, you didn't have to use us. You desire it. You chose us, and we're thankful for that. Lord, to stand and to serve and to minister. Lord, would you help us to to stand firm? Lord, would you help us to serve graciously? Would you help us to minister fully? Every head bowed and every eye closed. I I pray that if you just, maybe, maybe this morning, there's no deep, dark secret. Maybe you just need to, get the light turned back on in your life. Maybe it's been a while. Maybe you've allowed other things to take the place of that light. Can I encourage you to let that light shine again? Can I give you a little bit of insight and be vulnerable with you this morning for a moment? the group of people that I've seen in my lifetime that have struggled with these things the most, you know who they are? They're preachers. Because you can go through the motions on the outside and on the inside not be even anywhere near where you're pretending to be. Can I encourage you to genuinely say, Lord, on the outside, there may be, it always good, but Lord, there's some things in here. Lord, the lights are off. There's some things that are broken down. Lord, the way I view sacrifice, the way I view your altar. Lord, there's some darkness in there, and I'm holding on to it, and I like it, and I'm sorry. 
Level up. You can do more. You can be who God wants you to be. Last week I saw Aaron run out there and help with the banners and picking them all up. and He didn't have to do that. I just thought, man, that's just pretty neat to see someone do something they don't have to do. They just want to. You know what God's looking for? Some people that understand, I don't have to, I want to. Let me throw this out with every head bowed and every eye closed as these pray here at the altar. Let me, let me encourage you. If you're here and you don't know what it means to be born again, you've never been saved. You go, what, what does saved mean? Does it mean I go, I go to church now or I get baptized? No, no, no. Saved means that you go from darkness to light. You go from trusting your own righteousness, your own goodness, maybe being a religious person, a church-going person, whatever. Maybe from trusting your baptism or whatever it is you're trusting in to understanding that the only thing that could pay for your sins is what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Stripped naked, an open shame, ripped open his back, ripped off his beard, put a crown of thorns on his head, stuck a spear in his side, made a mockery and a show of him, and he did all of that, and he did it willfully and intentionally because he loved you and saw that the Father's judgment and wrath could be satisfied by his payment, a sinless man paying for the sinner's sins. That is what Jesus Christ did for you. That is how God expressed his love for you. And if you've never been born again, you need to level up. You say, how do I do that? Do I join the church? No, no, no. Step number one is you must be born again. And if you've never been born again, we'd love to open a Bible and say, hey, you can be saved. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask this question. If you're here and you know you're saved, you could raise your hand, couldn't you? And say, yep, I'm a child of God. I know I'm a born again Christian. All right. If you're here and you're like, I can't raise my hand. I don't know. Would you be honest enough? No one's looking around. But I li- I'd like to pray for you. Would you have enough courage in the moment to say, Preacher, I'm going to slip up my hand. I'm not sure if I'm saved, but would you pray for me? Okay, see it? Amen, see it? Let me, let, me, let me throw this out there. If you raise your hand, a couple of things. Thing number one, the fact that you're willing to do that and say, that's me, that's huge. I mean that. I don't take it lightly. A lot of people will just kind of walk in and walk out and say, well, that was a good message. I needed that and not let it touch their lives for eternity. Right By raising your hand, you're saying, I'm missing out on that. I'd like to be born again. Here's my challenge to you. My challenge to you is this. When we say amen and we close this service, I'm going to have Brother James and Brother Sean help set things up downstairs for the food that's coming. That'll be real help to us for our class. But I'm not in a rush. This is important. If you'd like to be saved and at least know what the Bible says about how to be saved, literally 15 minutes of your day to understand what it means to be saved. And then it's your choice. You can accept it or not. But let me just say this. 
It is the greatest experience of all of life. And you got a bunch of people in here that would say, yup, yup, thank God I did that. It's the, it's the biggest reset button in life. I got saved when I was 12. I will never regret it. I'll never forget my preacher on the right side of the altar, kneeling down with me, opening up a Bible and showing me the Romans road and how I could be saved. And my life has never been the same. If you'd asked me when I was 12 if I'd ever be behind a pulpit, I would have said, absolutely not. You know what God did? He just leveled up a little at a time after I got saved, but that was the first step, the most important one. Thank you for being here today. Hope the Word of God touched you. And, and I again, if you're here and you raise your hand, we're not going to point you out or drag you down or anything, but I'm going to encourage you. Seek out someone that can open up a Bible. I'd love to sit down with you. I'd love to be one of those people and show you how you can be saved today. Greatest decision you could ever make in your life. Uh, I'm going to ask the honey man, Brother Chad. Uh, for those who don't know, they, they harvest honey. I've got a couple bottles today. Uh, Brother Craig and Juanita, you're still doing that too, aren't you? All right. So you guys, if you need honey, you know where to go, okay? All right. Uh, Brother Chad, if you'd close us out in a word of prayer. Thanks for being here today.